how salt can predict rain. That story and more on H2O Radio's weekly news report. I'm Jamie Sudler. I'm Franny Halprin, and it's This Week in Water. Last week, millions in the Sydney, Australia area faced flooding after rain amounts that used to fall in eight months came down in just four days. For the past two years, the region has been dealing with wet weather brought on by back-to-back La Nina conditions, and now it looks as though they, and also we, may be in for a third episode of the phenomenon that impacts global weather patterns. La Nina, or the little girl, describes a condition in the tropical Pacific Ocean in which the sea temperatures cool, in contrast to El Nino, the little boy that brings warming waters. La Nina, which according to NOAA is near record intensity for this time of year, can create conditions more favorable for tropical storms and hurricanes thousands of miles away in the Atlantic Ocean. They also worsen droughts and wildfires in the southwestern U.S. The World Meteorological Organization says ongoing droughts in southern parts of South America and the Horn of Africa plus the rainfall in Southeast Asia and Australia, bear the hallmarks of La Nina. The organization recently concluded that there's a 70% chance La Nina will stay in place at least until August and maybe into fall and winter. A third season with those conditions is relatively rare, occurring only twice since 1950. Some researchers warn that triple La Ninas could happen more in the future because of climate change. Faraway oceans can be a tool for farmers and others in the U.S. Midwest to know when to plant, fertilize, or prepare for floods. According to a study led by Pennsylvania State University, the salt content of surface waters of the Atlantic Ocean and Gulf of Mexico miles from the Corn Belt can predict heavy summer rains. When water evaporates, the sea surface gets a bit saltier, and that's an indicator of the amount of moisture carried by the atmosphere and where it will rain. The scientists looked at about 70 years of rainfall in the Midwest and compared it to both salinity and sea temperatures in the Pacific and Atlantic Oceans. Salinity was over 90% more accurate than temperature in predicting extreme events. In 1993, the Great Flood along the Mississippi and Missouri rivers caused about $15 billion in damages, which the researchers say might have been lessened if forecasters had been able to use the salinity-based data to plan for extreme rainfall. Finland has long, dark, and cold winters, and up until recently had relied in small part on imported Russian energy to provide light and heat. That supply came to an end with the invasion of Ukraine and Moscow's irritation at Finland's application to join NATO. Luckily, Finland has been investing in wind and solar, but as is the case with renewables, storing the energy so that supply meets demand is a challenge. Currently, lithium-ion batteries are a dominant storage technology, but they're expensive and have environmental impacts, especially to water, as mining one ton of the metal requires over two million gallons. But a startup in Finland called Polar Night Energy might have a dirt-cheap solution, or rather a sandy one, They have installed the world's first commercial sand battery, 
which can store green energy for months. Their solution involves a silo filled with around 100 tons of sand that's heated to over 500 degrees Celsius using electricity generated by wind and solar. The sand retains the heat, as anyone walking on a hot beach can tell you, and then when needed, it warms water in a piped network that heats nearby homes, offices, and even the local swimming pool. Other research groups are looking into sand batteries, but the finished version is up and running, and they say their next challenge is to see if their concept can be used to generate electricity in addition to providing heat. And finally, from the fins to southern fin whales, which are the second largest cetaceans after blue whales. They're known to be super fast swimmers, but their speed could not prevent nearly all of the creatures from being slaughtered in the 20th century as hunters decimated populations for their oil. But thanks to a ban on commercial whaling since 1976, scientists believe the southern fin whales are rebounding, especially after a group of researchers came across the largest gathering of the animals ever documented off the coast of Antarctica. During an expedition in 2018 to study the effects of climate change on krill, which are a favorite meal for fin whales, researchers observed around a hundred of the animals feasting away. On a return trip in 2019, they counted up to 150 fin whales chowing down krill at the same location. Having an increase in whale numbers benefits an ocean ecosystem because as they eat, the animals release iron in their poop, which can fuel the growth of phytoplankton or microalgae that krill feed on. Greater populations of whales also benefit the climate because the algae absorb CO2 from the atmosphere as they photosynthesize. Following the research, the whale's status has been upgraded to vulnerable, but the animals still face threats from ship strikes, warming waters, or getting entangled in fishing gear. But an undeniable takeaway is that conservation efforts can and do work. That's it for This Week in Water. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.